0: Oujou this is Charles Smith. I'm Ojibwe from the Faunawak Reservation, and you're listening to the Middle of the Res Road podcast.
1: the Anishinaabe Doug. This is Joel Boje. I'm an Ojibwe from the Boys Fort Band of Chippewa Indians. This is in collaboration with the Minnesota Tribal Contractors Council, a.k.a. MNTCC, the show that is designed to be the source of information about industry job opportunities, success stories, trainings, and upcoming projects for Native Americans.
0: We also share about our culture and language because it is the foundation of our identities. Oh. I'm here with Linda Dunbar middle of the res-, res Road and today we're going to be talking about Camp Benassi. And I was wondering if you would give us a small introduction.
1: Am buju wabishkan kadokwin indigo. Wabishke magizi queen indigo. Ajijaknin the dam. Unigaming unjuba. Chima agening Unjiba Nindodo. Um, my English name is Linda Dunbar. I'm originally from, my birth family was from Ontario, Canada. Um, I was um, born and raised here in Minnesota. Um, spent most of my life, um, young life, in Minnesota. And then um, I got sober um, 40 years ago, and um, part of my journey was I returned to Canada for 20 years, spent time with the elders up there, and met my family. Um, then I met my husband, and I came and I've been living the last 15, going on 16 years, in Bad River. Um, are are you from
0: First Nations then up there?
1: Yes. I'm from the Ojibwe's of Enigme. Um That was... The, um, the community that I was adopted into. Um my birth family is from Seine Rivers, First Nations in Canada.
0: Okay. That's a that's quite a ways away up there. Like yeah. how far is it away from here?
1: It's about Onigaming is about a six hour um drive from um Ashland. Um Seine Rivers is about six and a half hours from um Bad River.
0: Do you get to Onigaming? Do you go East or west to go into Canada? That way. Okay, that way. East. East. Yes. So you're going through Sault Ste. Marie and all that? No,
1: uh-uh. We go up through International Falls. Okay. Um, And Fort Francis. And then when we go to Enigaming, we take a left, and then we hit, um, then we take a right outside of um, Manitou. And we're about an hour, we're about an hour and a half from Fort Francis. Um. Ontario, which is right across from International Falls, Icebox of the Nation. Um, my, my biological family is from St. Rivers First Nation, so you would go the opposite direction. Um, Ojibwe's of Enigming is located on Lake of the Woods. My um, family's community is um, located on Rainy Lake. So um, if you were to look at the map, you'd look at Lake of the Woods. Um, you would see Nestor Falls, Ontario. Um, we're just outside of that. And Seine River is right outside of Quetico National Park. So both beautiful areas.
0: Where's... So <coughs> where does the name Dunbar come from?
1: That was my um, children's father's name. Okay. Um, so he... Him and I were married. We had our two children, Crystal and Jonathan, um, and I've just kept the, the Dunbar name um, because of the connection to my kids.
0: Is Crystal in Canada then?
1: No, Crystal lives in um, Fort Snelling, Minnesota. Okay. Um She was, um, both my kids were a part of my recovery journey Um, in my early sobriety. um, My kids went to live with their dad in Austin, Texas, and their stepmom, I call her, we call each other wife-in-law, and so they, my kids spent um, their growing up years with them during the school year, and then they would come and live with me in Canada during the summer time.
0: So 40 years in recovery that's a long time congratulations Thank you I'm just about to hit 17 in 2 weeks Good for you And so I understand how that changes somebody's life and and I understand that I don't know it's it's almost like you learn things that maybe other people who aren't in recovery learn some tough lessons and everything else that goes along with that.
1: Yes, and I think if it wasn't for my sobriety, I probably wouldn't have handled my son's death as well um, as I did. Um, I was 35 years sober um, when my son passed away, and it was the first time that I ever thought about drinking. Um, And... I'm so grateful for our culture and our way of life in Alcoholics Anonymous because it's taught me um, that a drink isn't going to resolve anything. Um, And when I had that thought, all I wanted to do was have that pain go away. but I had resources. Our elders, um, one of my good friends that I've been sober with for a long time, I called her, um, and she told me in our culture, um, she said, do that ceremony that old man taught us, and that's what I did. And it, that ceremony helped me take that urge to drink, to hide my pain or to cover my pain. So, yeah, recovery is a big part of my, my journey in my grief and in life.
0: So you just touched on a couple of things that I have questions about. First, um, can you tell us about your son, who, who he was, his name, yeah, what he was into?
1: Well, my son, his um, name is Jonathan J. Dunbar. Um, when he would come and spend summers with us, um, and because the way that I lived um, in our culture, um, he got, I believe both my kids got to experience two worlds, the best of two worlds. Um, They got to be really well taken care of with their dad and stepmom. And with me, um, they got to be. And what I mean by that is that my kids could talk to me about anything. Um, They got to experience who they are as Anishinaabe people. Um, We lived off the land um, in... My kids, you know, I say my kids did have the best of both worlds. Um, when John, um, John went through a rough, rough spot like most kids do um, in his te- early teens and early twenties. Um, when he was eighteen, um, he became a father, and he was working for IBM in Texas. And it being one of the biggest corporations in the United States, did not have health care, and my grandson, his son, needed eye surgery. And that was kind of what, um, and the fact that two of his friends was killed um, in the military, um, kind of got him thinking about going into the military. Um, And the way my son is, um, is that when he set his mind to something, it was 100% commitment. And, um, you know, he, when he was nine years old, we had put him out on his vision quest, and on that vision quest, um, he was told he would be a great warrior, um, and he also was um, given the bear uh, spirit to look after him, and that's a part of his story of his military service in. Um, so that gave me a lot of comfort knowing that my son fulfilled his mission in this world. And now he's on a, another path, and he still continues to, to help us today. So my son served 13 years in the military. Um, he was in the Army. He was Delta Force when he was killed. And so when I say that my son gave 100%, that's what I mean. So when he went into the military, he committed himself to service, to family, and to his country. And that's the way he lived his life. And we saw that. Um, I remember when he came back from boot camp, and my son and I um, had a kind of a rocky history. He had a lot of anger toward me because um, I wasn't there for him. Like I. His dad and his stepmom primarily raised him. So he carried a lot of hurt and anger around that. And part of his service um, was that he had to come home, and he had to deal with me and the anger he carried in order for him to to be able to perform better at his duties in the military. And he came home, and it was one of the hardest conversations um, that we had. But it was one of the most powerful conversations um, because it did a lot of healing for both of us. And he came home and he said he didn't want to carry the anger. And he wanted me, because I never told my kids my story. Um, I didn't want them to know um, what I had gone through. Um, And... Because I'd always tell my son, don't do drugs, don't drink. But I never told them why, because I didn't tell him my story. And that day we sat down and I shared my story with him, my story of growing up in the foster care system, the violence I experienced, um, how that impacted me as an adult woman, um, how I used drugs and alcohol to cope with that violence, um... And, it, you know, I mean, in the beginning it was fun, but um, I recognized right away that alcohol and drugs got rid of the pain temporarily. Um, and so part of my journey um, was to do that healing from that violence and from the things that I experienced. And, but I, it still impacted my relationship with my kids. Um, and so in that conversation that I had... It was so healing because you could physically see the transition in my son um, for him to really understand why I was the way that I was and why I wasn't the best parent and and that helped him resolve that anger, and so that when he went back um, to the service, they noticed a change in him because of all that hurt and anger and resentment was lifted in that conversation.
0: Can I ask you a question about Mm -hmm. all that? So when you're talking about sharing your story finally with your kids, my kids ask me once in a while, why do you do fellowship? Why do you go hang out with a whole bunch of people? Who are those people? And I I never know what to tell them. I, I tell them that I'm doing fellowship, I'm hanging out with people. But so... From your perspective, when do you, when should somebody in recovery sobriety start telling you start letting their kids in on that story?
1: I think your actions tell part of the story. Um, my kids, when I first got sober, when I would leave the house to go to an AA meeting, they didn't think I was coming home, and so it was just that practice of coming home that they started to build that trust. Um, I started having conversations when it was more my daughter that um, asked questions, um, and so and she was like in her early maybe 11, 12 years old. Um, but I included my my kids in um, in sober activities, um, so they had an understanding. They had an understanding that mom don't do mom doesn't drink, and mom doesn't do drugs, and neither does her friends. Um, so they had. Um, that influence um and I think you'll know and that's why I tell people trust your heart that if your child is asking and you feel that they will understand um and it's okay to have ongoing conversations about it um because I think that's one of the things that I learned from my experience with my son I thought I was protecting him um but it created a lot of um misunderstanding and a lot of, um, hurt that he carried because in his perspective, he thought I was a mom that didn't care. He didn't know that because of my trauma, I didn't have the skills to be a good parent. Um, um, but he, all he saw was that I wasn't there. Um, even in sobriety because, um, their dad got custody of them and, um, I was kind of like the Santa Claus mom. Um,
0: what do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's not that I well, I couldn't afford to buy them things, but um, it was like um, when they would come home during the summer, I would make sure that we did a lot of fun things. My whole focus was on, you know, taking them to powwows, um, you know, taking them camping, doing all the fun things. Um, and, um, you know, so... I kind of looked at myself in that way um, was that they got to come home and they were on vacation instead of coming home as a family. Um, If I could do that differently, I would.
0: What would you do differently?
1: I think I would probably, one of the things my daughter told me was when I started setting boundaries and rules in our home, um, because I didn't have any when they had come home, it was a free-for-all. But when I started to have those um, and have consistency, um, they felt safer. They felt at home. Um, so that's what I mean by that.
0: And then, so he goes into the military, Jonathan goes into the military. Mm-hmm. What does that look like, and how does the relationship build after you've had that heavy conversation?
1: Well, what I saw, and this is, uh, um we kind of laugh about it, because when he went to boot camp um he came back, and we were visiting, and he said, yes, ma'am. I almost fell off my chair because <laughs> that's not how my my son talked. And, and so I started to see a change um, in the very beginning. And then as he, I think it was before he went to ranger school, he had to come home and have that conversation with me. Um, and I forgot your question.
0: Just the timeline. So oh. ranger school and then everything else. Yeah.
1: Um, well, after he, after that conversation, um, John really put 110% in service. Um, and one of the things that, and I think a lot of veterans understand this is that, um, John didn't talk a lot about the military. Um, my conversations with my son where sometimes he would struggle, um, And I think this is really important because in the work that we do, we find a lot of veterans who struggle, but because they're in the military, if they're struggling, um, and I'm talking about emotions and mental health, right? Um, One of the things that my son and I had this relationship, because I've worked in the mental health and addictions field most of my adult life, um, that he felt comfortable to come and talk to me about... um, some of the things that he felt if he went to talk to, say, a psychologist or something on base or in the military, it would go against him. He would, And I've heard this over and over again, that it does affect your rank and those kinds of things. Um, so that, knowing that part, but I mean, we didn't know about all the medals and all the accomplishments um, that he had until after he passed because he would basically, his wife said that he would um, get a recognition and he would put it in a box and he didn't, he didn't share that with our
0: family. Just super super humble about his entire service.
1: Yeah. And he truly believed that his service was about protecting his children, his family and his country. Um, And that, and he believed in that, and um, and that's why he did what he did, um, you know, because he really felt like he had purpose, that he was protecting our country and the people of the, of the country.
0: So those intimate conversations that you had with him that he wanted, he didn't want to necessarily share with the psychologist or any of the mental health providers in the military, how much did you pull from our culture to help him?
1: My son was given a, a, a pipe um, when I was working here at Meshkaus, and an elder that had come in um, had created, um, and it's, it it was beautiful because this man didn't know, and that's why I believe in um, Creator, and I believe in our culture and the spiritual realm of our beliefs. This elder came, um, and he He had this vision of this bear and the star, and there's teachings there with our our traditional names in our family, and um, the bear is his bear spirit, and he brought this, and he gave it to me. And he told me, I was told to give this to you, and you'll know what it's for. And I knew, because it it was John's story of his fast when he went out on it when he was nine years old. Um, and my son carried that with him. He carried the protection um, that the medicine pouch that um, that we made for him. Um, he carried his pipe and his traditional items um, he It was kind of funny because when he was overseas he had he had that that carving um, and it was wood out of wood. And he took it overseas with him and had no problem having it over there. But when he came back in into the United States, they confiscated it. And it took um, military personnel to go and get it back for him. So my son um, respected and believed. And, and I, I want to share a story about, because it really kind of helps define who my son is on a real personal level. When we were um, up at Mount McKay and we were staying at Grand Portage and we were walking through the woods, and this is what we would do when they were, they'd come home for the summers. We did a lot of camping and hiking and just in the woods and um, teaching them things. Um, and we were walking through, and my son really struggled with a belief in Creator and because of his anger he blamed God for his dad and mom separating and all of that stuff. And we were walking through one day and he, he said, mom, I don't believe in God. And I said, that's okay. I said, um, I said, that's okay for you to feel that way because I understood, you know? Um, and we went up to Mount McKay and he had a powerful vision up there and and he come running, and he grabbed me, and he said, Mom, come and look at this. He said, there's a eagle in the shape of, there's a lake in the shape of an eagle. And he took me to the edge of uh, Mount McKay. I could not see it. So he goes, and he runs, and he grabs a total stranger and says, come and look at this. And he brought the man over there, and he looked, and he says, do you see it? And And the man said, no. And my son got really angry, and we sat down, and I said, you know, sometimes... Creator shows you things that's just meant for you. And we sat there for a long time, and he said, Mom, I believe in Creator. And it was those those experiences that helped create who my son is and was.
0: And then, so, what would you? put him on a vision did you put him on the vision quest yeah. or did the elders help you
1: yeah my two older brothers um are we're both healers they've passed on now um and they're they're the ones that that took him did out did your
0: daughter do it too no no just him just him and how long did he go
1: he was gone for four days and let me tell you four
0: days at four nine days. years old wow
1: yeah. Yeah, it was uh, hard because and my brothers knew I'd have a hard time with it, but they built him a, ho- a hut out in the woods, and they told me to go home and make his feast food, and he would come out. And, and in his experience, that's when the bear came to him, was on that vision quest. So,
0: When you guys do that, so when your brothers put him out, could he move around, or did he have to stay in that hut, or what could what could he do and what couldn't he do?
1: he fasted um and he was in the hut for four, for four days um he went without water went without food um and my brothers were like he wasn't totally completely out there by himself. My brothers were around um around, but they didn't have any contact with him they kind of kept an eye on him and you know, when I think about that, a nine-year-old being out in the bush like that and um, knowing, because he was tested before they put him out. There was a test that, um, um, I shouldn't call it a test, but there was a... Um,
0: for lack of a better word, yes,
1: yeah, Um that they did with him to see if he was ready for his vision quest, um, and so... And I I relied on that, Um, especially, you know, you're miles away and your little nine-year-old that you still see as your baby is out there. Um, So, but he he accomplished um, and had that powerful vision, which when you think about it, how it gives us comfort today that he fulfilled his mission in this world.
0: So he goes on the vision quest. Did the Mount McKay trip happen before or after that? After. After that?
1: Mm -hmm. No, before.
0: Before. Yeah. So he was struggling with the thought of a a higher power Mm -hmm. and then had that vision of that eagle on Mount McKay, and then he goes and does the vision quest. And did that really set his belief structure up? Did all those things really help set his belief structure up? I think
1: in the long run... Um, I don't think, um, you know, because in his teen life, there was a lot of his experiences that, um, you know, he didn't continue on that path. Um, He, you know, um, got involved with some unhealthy behaviors for a period of time, Um, and then, um, you know, but as he come back into the military um, and... Found, you know, um, having those conversations and seeing, you know, that path was, you know, in place since he was a young person. Um, I think, you know, he often said that um, he was put on here to do a mission. And he shared with us and and my husband um, about a bear. So he was out in the Carolinas or... West Virginia maybe, and he was on a 30-day, they put him out um, where he had to spend 30 days in the bush by himself, and he had, um, he had to be at certain points throughout those 30 days, and he said he was climbing a a mountain, a cliff, and he felt, he put his hand up and he felt this really hot breath (laughs) on his head, and it was a bear. And he said, I don't know which one of us slid down that side of that mountain, faster me or the bear. But he said it was those things that would remind him, you know, that he's protected. And when he was overseas, um, he shared some of those experiences of when he may have been struggling or um, on a mission. And there would, the bear would appear. Um, and so he always looked at that as, you know, he was he was being protected and reminded. And he's right where he's supposed to be. Yeah.
0: And <clears throat> can we dive into Camp Benesi a little bit? Mm-hmm. So, the you created Camp Benesi when he passed away,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and how did the name come about, Benesi?
1: Camp Benasi, um is. My son's name, Wabash Gay Banasi, was his traditional name, his spirit name. Um, And as we were talking about, um, you know, I'm going to share how Camp Banasi came about. about, um, So when my son passed away, um, the military wouldn't um, allow us to incorporate our traditional ceremonies. And because I believe in our ceremonies for when we make that journey, um, as his mother, I had a responsibility to ensure that that was done to help him move, transition to the spirit world. Um, well, the military um, didn't recognize that. Um, they didn't allow it. Um, they didn't allow my husband um, to attend um, because we were married traditionally. They didn't recognize our traditional marriage as a marriage. And so um, so what happened was when we were starting to run up against um, a lot of this opposition um, because of who we are as Anishinaabe people um, and the lack of understanding with the military, um, the veterans stepped in. Um, from all over, from Minnesota, from Wisconsin, from Michigan. Um, they did a fundraiser to help um, um, help us get the funds so that we could go to um, to Dover Air Force Base to welcome my son home um, to um, support us in, um, you know, whatever our needs were. Um, and um, because of my responsibility as his mother and the that traditional send-off, when our people leave this world, um, we had the memorial here. Um, And what the sad part was that I really hurt my daughter in that process. Because at the same time we were doing the memorial here, they were doing his funeral in Fort Bragg. And I couldn't be there for my daughter because of how I felt about my obligations. Um, But what happened was, Veterans that had never met my son, veterans that had never met me, um, they all came. Um, You know, they came from tribes, they came from other um, VFWs, those kinds of things, and they showed up for that memorial. Um, And it was that, that was so moving for me, to have total strangers, veterans, and I really saw what my son was talking about, about that, that camaraderie, that brotherhood, um, that these people would come and support us and help us. Um, I was telling, I don't know if you heard the story about um, uh, her grandfather um, coming and supporting us and bringing all that wild rice. And I, um, in our way, we give back. And so I was passing on this wild rice, and they handed it to him, and he leans over. He goes, Linda, I'm the one that gave it to you. <laughs> But yeah, it was a good memory of that. Um, and so that kind of is. I was sitting with Rick, who is the president of our board. Um, we worked together in Redcliffe, and I was so moved by the support that our family got from people, total strangers that were veterans. And um, and I talked about how John would come here and how he would go out on the lake and sit on our land, and that rejuvenation, that... Um, Grounding.
0: When, yeah. So he'd come back home and get grounded.
1: Yeah, to go back and do service. And and he had, Our whole life was pretty much on Lake Superior. When I got sober, I moved to Lake Superior. So they grew up for six years on Lake Superior. Um, and then... We go to Canada when I moved to Canada. We were on Lake of the Woods or Rainy Lake, so they, he was really strongly connected to the waters, Um, and Lake Superior. um, In our teachings about that spirit water, he would come home and he would get grounded. He would his spirit was filled. Um, He could reconnect and be army man that he was, Um, and he he believed in that. Connection. He would bring his son. Um, he married and he brought his wife and their first daughter um, here um, to experience that with him. Um, and his plan was that when he retired, he was going to buy a house on Madeline Island and move here and open a a gun range and a bistro. Why the two? I don't know, but <laughs> yeah.
0: that would work out there.
1: Yeah, that's a beautiful
0: was. place out there yes so he loved Madeline Island mm-hmm. I just finally went there two months ago for the very first time and it's truly amazing place yes. and he loved it there yes that so was. He, you would take him there quite a bit
1: yeah we uh that was part of um when he would come home as we made sure that he would go to Madeline Island that we'd get him out on the lake um he was a great fisherman um, he loved to fish um so And then he would come and he would sit at our house on our, you know, we had a big deck. And just being, you know, on the land was um, so nurturing for him and revitalizing for him. And, um, you know, and the fact that the family, um, you know, our relationship, his relationship with my husband, because my husband is also a veteran, and there's that. That camaraderie, that um, friendship, that happens with one veteran to another, um, you know. So he loved coming home. Um, so it was all that um, that created Camp Benici. Rick and I had that conversation about how um, how we wanted to give that back. Um, I was so moved by the veterans that showed up for us that I wanted to be able to give that back. The other piece of that was um, my son and I would have those heart-to-heart conversations that I will never talk about um, out of respect for, you know, he needed to have someone he could talk to about some of the things that he experienced serving our country. Um, I've had other conversations with veterans, um, that struggle. Um, and for me, even when my son shared an experience that he had, I had to go to ceremony because my civilian mind could not comprehend um, what he was telling me. Um, and so I had to go to ceremony for my own well-being. Um, so I kind of understand, um, you know, so when, and things started to happen where veterans would come and talk to me. And what I started finding that our younger veterans, um, they don't go to the VFW and they don't sit there and drink and talk about the good old days service and service, um, and especially our Native American veterans. Our, our younger veterans look at tradition, look at culture, look at other ways um, to, to connect, to, um, you know, deal with their trauma, um, you know, um, of service um, and so that's kind of all those reasons of why we wanted to create this camp um,
0: and you just seem like you have that have that gift to be able to talk to and let let things go and have a conversation and and I don't, this is probably the easiest podcast that I've have had to do because <laughs> you're just so I'm just talking to you and you're just a super easy person to talk to. Thank you. And it's, there's like an aura, you have like an aura that I can understand why veterans, why your son would trust you with information because you first that trust in, of a mother and of somebody in recovery that, you know, so when somebody shares intimate things, you know, we hold on to that stuff and you're protected. And mm-hmm. I can tell, I can just tell by having this conversation with you that you have those gifts.
1: Thank you. And I, you know, I, I think, um, I truly believe in um, spirit and I believe that we all have a purpose. And, um, I also believe that my son completed his mission in this world um, in our lodge that we have at home, he comes to us in that northern direction. Um, so many of us have felt his presence in the work that we've been doing with Camp Um We feel very spirit-led um, with him. Um, so at times of when things get... Because we're all new to this whole thing, so um, none of us have been um, a part of a nonprofit organization. None of us have been um, board members. Um, we're a group of um, Gold Star and veterans um, that have come together to to do this camp. We're in our fourth year um, and we're learning and we're growing. Um, last year we had 26 participants, families, both Gold Star and veteran families, and it's amazing at the things that happen. And I and we all truly believe that it's spirit-led, that we believe that John has his hand um, in the work that we're doing. Um, and this is who John was. He was about, you know, he would take time off, um, and he would go to other families that had lost a loved one in serving our country, and he would spend time with those children, um... You know, he would go and sit with families that had lost a loved one in service. And that's who my son was. And that's the essence of Camp Panacea, is that we want to be there. We want to be there for veterans, for Gold Star families, Um, to give them. We're not a therapy camp. Um, We are a space for people to come and just be. Um, to experience the land and water and receive the healing that those entities give. Um, You know, we're there to support. Um, We've seen in the four years that we've been doing this, our camp has really grown. But to hear, um, you know, some of the things that um, by them coming to camp, the life-changing things that have happened in their life because they got to come and just be and be with other veterans, be with other Gold Star families. Something that, um, you know, I, not to knock Western um, because it does work, but um, just having them come to this sacred place um, and receive the healing and then to go beyond that, they become our family. Um, they become each other's family, and that continued support and growth um, in dealing with their grief or their effects of you know um, military life
0: he really sounds like an amazing individual especially going to visit families and spend time with those kids Mm -hmm. because he under when you were telling me that I was thinking about um, I was thinking he had to have understood what he was doing was already difficult and it w- or it was our it was a hard it would be I was just imagining like, well this that would be hard to go spend time with those families spend time with those kids but it's harder he understood that it was harder for the families what they were going through themselves mm-hmm. so he could think of them more than himself yeah and that's amazing amazing self awareness to be able to put his stuff aside but how hard it would be to go spend time with these families and know that what they're going through is harder. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Sounds like a, just his story sounds like he was an amazing individual and I wish I would have got to meet him.
1: He was an amazing young man. Um, uh, You know, uh, I think of him, his youngest daughter was born after he was killed. And, you know, to see my son be the parent um, that he was. He had um, Jonathan when he was 18, and then um, when he married Jolinda, they had three daughters. And, you know, to see the love um, that he had for family and to see that love for family, for other people's families. And, um, you know, he would talk about his comrades the people he served with they all lived in the same area and and the dads would get together and they would take the kids out fishing and they would do things with them and um you know i just that's not who i thought my son was and so um you know because we i have the whole history with him um but to see him and i sometimes i i I was so angry with the military for a while and but to see what the military um, and all the training he had and the experiences he had to see the beautiful human being, the beautiful father, the what you know the husband um, that he had become um, you know i'm very proud of him in all those areas um, like i said i don 't know a lot about his military um, It's kind of interesting when I see other veterans and they'll see his his uniform and all the, I don't even know what they're called, the little, but anyway, those things that, what he accomplished, um, you know, his military service was amazing. Um, He was an outstanding soldier. Um, But as a mom, I think that uh, my son was a really awesome human being, you know
0: where did that uh man i want to respect your time too um where did the empathy and compassion come from but did he always have that empathy and compassion inside of him or is that something that grew on to him How-
1: i think <clears throat> i think he had it um and i know that he struggled um you know, because he wasn't raised on reservation life. And so when I was living in, on reserves in Canada, um, he was seen as an outsider, um, and he struggled with that. But I also saw a part of him that um, that was there, but it blossomed even more because of his military service. Um because he he understood in the a lot of the um, military pe um, his comrades i i don't know what to call them, but they were Native Americans, so they had that connection um, you know um, and I think that I truly believe that's innate um, it's because of life experience that compassion and empathy kind of gets clouded over because of life experience um, and I think I saw that blossom more because of his military uh, service. Um, you know, I, I know it was in him all the t- always. But I think it just blossomed more because of military.
0: That's amazing, and amazing that he, that grew and blossomed as as you were saying he just seems like an awesome individual. And knowing that he connected with Native American veterans from all over the place, it's, it's just sounds like something he would do from everything that you're telling me about him. Mm-hmm. Just sounds like, so, and then finding that connection, finding that identity and knowing, even though he did feel like an outsider, he knew who he was too. Mm-hmm. And Wabashkibanes, I love that name too. Um, that's my nephew's Ojibwe name. And just a beautiful Ojibwe name, and and no no translation needed because I understand what that means, and and no, it's 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 a great name, and it sounds like he lived right up to what that means, mm-hmm. what that where that comes from. Yeah, truly. And with Camp Benasi, how can people find Camp Benasi? Where can they find it? Um, if, is it on Facebook?
1: Can have, people reach out yeah. and give back? Yeah, we have Um, um You can go on our website um, and read more. Um, my daughter is an amazing, um, she does amazing at all this stuff. She's the one that does the, um, we have, I think, 25 families that have applied this year for camp, um, and she does a spreadsheet their story um, um, and so that we have information about them. Um, we can only accommodate five families, um, five or six families per camp. Um, so um, we're in the process of um, figuring out who those five families are going to be. Um, so there's criteria on there if you're interested in attending camp. Um, so um, the contact person would be my daughter and that's all on the website. Um, there's an application form on there. Um, you can We do have a Facebook page um, of um, you can tap into it any time. Um, we post um, there's a lot about our stories of the camps um, are on there. Um, in pictures of the families that have attended and um, some of the stories of healing that has happened because of camp. Um, so either look us up on Facebook or on our
0: website. Awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to come on the podcast and share a little bit about Cam Benessi and John and yourself and we'd love to have you back. You are seriously the easiest person to have a conversation with on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it so much.
1: Yeah, anytime you want us to come back, just ask. We're more than willing to come and share our story as it continues. Um, I, you know, I just think that uh, this is really spirit-led by my son. It's something that he would want us to do, um, and everybody involved— they're committed, and we want to help people on their healing journey from their loss or from their traumas from military life, and that's, that's what we want to do, and we're all committed to that. Awesome. So thank you.
0: Thank you.